The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We're going to talk about why the Brewers' potential could be derailed by injuries. We're going to also talk about the Devontae Adams overreaction and why everybody needs to calm it down. We're going to also chat about the Bucks thought, Bucks fans' thoughts after Game 4, heading into Game 5, how we're feeling you know, as we watch the Warriors do this. Steph get more credit than Giannis. We'll talk all about that. And then I'll give you a review on Greenville in Chuck's Corner. Uh, thank you for hanging on with what was a short week last week. We appreciate that. Um, we'll we'll be back up and running all week this week. Excited for the Brewers Mets series. Excited to I'm sure talk about other fun topics as the week goes on. Maybe we'll have an NBA champion. Maybe we will not. And we'll deal with that and deal with where the Bucks rank on the hierarchy of everything because I'm sure that will be a topic of conversation. So it's so no better time to tap in on social media. Tapping the keg on Twitter. Tapping the keg sports. On Instagram, Facebook, as well as TikTok. Make sure you're following on all those. I had a fun thing with Aaron Rodgers potentially dating a witch. We don't know if that's true or not. Uh, Quite the news story um, as I was heading out of town on Thursday. So make sure you're seeing that. Um, If you're already subscribed, thank you. Uh, But make sure you're rating and reviewing. That really helps us. That gets us more notoriety. Also sharing with your friends. You share with your friends. Those friends share with their friends. And all of a sudden, we have a booming sports conglomerate. So that's what we're hoping for. Hope you guys are all enjoying this content. Feedback always available. Hit me up on Twitter, Tapping the Keg, Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram. I'd love to hear ideas. I'd love to hear things that you like, things that you don't like. I'm an open book. I can take it. If you're like, hey, this segment sucked, I will I will go back and I'll be like, all right, well, we're scrapping that or we're not, we're not going to do that. Because if that person thinks it sucked, yeah, it could be one person's opinion. But I do, I'm under the assumption that everybody kind of thinks it stinks. So that's kind of where I'm at. And I just want everybody to know that feedback is always available. All right, let's move on and talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. So Milwaukee Brewers did break their losing streak on Sunday. They got it done. Uh, It was a great pitching performance by Jason Alexander, who's been a nice surprise. As well as the Brewers getting a ton of offense from Willie Adamas. And then a little bit from Andrew McCutcheon at the very end of the game. Brewers went 4-1, and hopefully it's a start of a winning streak. Now they face the New York Mets, and we'll talk about the Mets-Brewers series tomorrow in what will be a big barometer for this Brewers team. But even though it's a big barometer, the Brewers will not have Freddie Peralta or Brandon Woodruff going on the mound for them. They will not have likely Luis Urias, who left with a hamstring injury. They won't have Colton Wong, who has a calf strain and is on the I.L. right now. And that is really the summary of the Brewers season and what makes me worry that the Brewers will never be able to hit their full potential because they cannot stay healthy. This was a stat from Dominic Sorrento uh, of Lockdown Brewers who had this, which was great. I think it's Conrento, by the way, but whatever. I butchered his name. I apologize, Dom. He has it in his fucking Twitter bio and I still butchered it. Willie Adonis, Andrew McCutcheon, Hunter Renfro, Luis Urias, Colton Wong, all on the active roster for the same time for exactly four games. May 3rd to May 6th, they went 4-0 in those games. They were against the Lily Reds, but you get the point, right? The Brewers have not necessarily had a healthy roster for any point of this season. Basically, Christian Yelich, knock on wood, has been the only guy that's been able to stay healthy throughout this whole thing. Everyone else has been bitten by the injury bug or the COVID bug as... Andrew McCutcheon got it, was out for two weeks. Omar Navias had it and was out for, I think, about two weeks as well. So it's it's not necessarily just like normal injuries. It's not just wear and tear. It's ankle sprains. It's, 
you know, COVID stuff. You have this stuff going on with Brandon Woodruff, which we'll talk about here in a second. Like, it's not just the normal run-of-the-mill things. And you wonder if you're snake bit. You have this feeling of maybe this just isn't their year because they have too many injuries to consistently overcome and that you're never playing teams at your full potential. We have not seen the Brewers with their fully loaded lineup and their fully loaded pitching staff against the St. Louis Cardinals. We will not see it against the Mets this weekend. We will not see it against the Cardinals in two weeks, right? So that, to me, worries me that the Brewers might not necessarily have the depth that will take them to the upper echelon of the National League. Because the National League, if you didn't know, is really good this year. It's really competitive. The Braves and Phillies getting into the mix with their winning streaks over the past couple weeks have made it even better. It kind of exploded now. Now you really have nine teams in the National League that are legitimately good. Every week, there's going to be a fight. There's going to be a battle, right? You have Brewers-Mets this weekend. Week, I'm sure you have something out over the weekend where you're like, wow, that is a big series where it has implications. I, I don't have the schedule on me, so I'm not going to try to try to look for it and guess. But you get, you get the idea. And the Brewers definitely have a lot on their back. And some people would be like, try to make an excuse for them. I'm not making an excuse. I'm just saying, like, it's hard to compete with the best of the best when you're all injured and you can't necessarily field a healthy lineup. Like, no disrespect to Mark Mathias, but he shouldn't be on a fucking big league playoff baseball team. Mark Mathias should be playing for the Royals or the Baltimore Orioles. All right? Like, that's who Mark Mathias should be playing for and starting for. Not the Brewers. But he has to because the Brewers don't have a ton of organizational depth. They're not the Dodgers. They're not the Giants. And you can argue why that is or why they're holding guys back. Like, for me, if Urias is going to go on the DL, I would bring up Bryce Terang. Why not? Let Bryce Terang play shortstop. Put Adamas at third base. DH Adamas. DH Terang. Like, why not try out the young kid? Why not bring up some of the youthful talent that the Brewers do have, right? To me, that's a little more interesting. That's a little more intriguing and a little bit outside the box to say, all right, what do we have in this guy? Could he be a contributor for us? Or could he potentially be a very good trade ship that the Brewers look to move if they're going to sign Adonis to a long-term deal? That to me is, you know, the kind of the give and take with that one. And I would assume that they're going to give Adonis a full a long-term deal. He should be the next sort of face of the franchise. We talked about that with Christian Yelich last last week and how they need to kind of transition out of that. And Adamus is the guy to do it. He is a vibrant personality. He just makes a lot of sense for that spot. So why not bring Terang up? Why not try something a little bit different? Everybody's kind of waiting for the David Stearns move. And I almost wonder if David Stearns doesn't know what move to make because he hasn't seen his full roster. He doesn't know what this Brewers team looks like. The Brewers are skating by right now, but they they definitely have finally, it finally all caught up to them the last two weeks. And the losing streak happened. They ran into a red-hot Phillies team. They couldn't produce any offense against the Padres, which if you looked at some of those lineups, it was nasty. It wasn't good. And then the pitching goes to shit against Washington in two games. They easily had enough offense on Friday and Saturday to beat Washington. 
and he couldn't get it done because Ashby and Lauer both blew up, and that's not good. And you you really can't have that, especially when you don't have Freddie Peralta or Brandon Woodruff, and Peralta's done. I mean, we should just consider Peralta done for the season. If Peralta can come back for two weeks, three weeks at the end of the year, and he's like a super reliever for the team, like, all right, great. And then if Brandon Woodruff has, right now, he not only has an ankle injury, but he has Raynard syndrome, where it's affecting his nerves and affecting his grips, that to me is really scary as a pitcher. I I can't necessarily put a timeline of when Brandon Woodruff will be back. And apparently it screws you up in the cold. So if that's the case, like, can he not pitch in the playoffs? Like, it's a really, really scary thing that Woodruff is going through. And I just wonder when when is like July 4th possible? Is it maybe even longer than that? I don't know, man. It's definitely a scary thing for the Brewers pitcher. And I, I just gotta I gotta look at this and say, alright, yeah, could the Brewers sweep the Mets because that's baseball? And then they make and then I'm on this podcast Thursday night being like the Brewers made a statement. They basically said, all right, this is, you know, we are good. Like, don't let that losing streak, you know, fool you. We are a good team. Yeah, that's possible. But at the same time, I'm not expecting it. I'm going in hoping the Brewers get one out of three. Mets are really fucking good. I would love two out of three. I think that would say a lot about this team, especially because they're not healthy. So do I excuse poor performance because the Brewers are injured? Yes and no. And I know you don't want to make injuries an excuse, but it's hard for me to really be that bummed out about Brewers losing games when I know this is not their full roster. I know this is not what the Brewers you know, thought their team, team should look like at the start of the season. Now, do I think this puts more pressure on David Stearns around the trade deadline? Absolutely. Because the Brewers have a window. Whether you like it or not, windows get talked about all the time. Whether it's football, whether it's baseball, basketball, hockey, I'm sure. Like, everybody has windows. And this is the Brewers' time to win a title. They are in a very easy division, for the most part. Just the St. Louis Cardinals. That's it. There's no one else nipping at their heels. Not the Cubs, not the Pirates, not the Reds. Those teams are all, you know, looking to the draft and will be, you know, selling off assets come July. Brewers and Cardinals will be acquiring those assets, and the Cardinals might go for big splashes. The Cardinals might try to get Frankie Montas, a very talented reliever, or I'm sorry, pitcher for the Oakland Athletics, not a reliever, a starter. He's very good. Montas is a hell of a pitcher. And if the Cardinals go that route, that's trouble for the Brewers, right? And if the fact that there are really talented big market teams that are out there, it makes it a challenge for the Brewers, but they can get creative, okay? The Brewers can find what it takes. I was suggesting Joey Wendell and Anthony Bass as sort of a potential option for the Brewers to get some middle relief help and then get kind of a guy who can play all over the baseball field for it. But not, but Wendell's been hurt all year. But still, regardless, like the Brewers do need to do something. The Brewers can't sit on their hands this trade deadline. They have to make some deals with where they are from an injury perspective. Now, if they're able to get all healthy and be back in form in July and say they go on a heater, then maybe you could say, all right, they don't need as much, but you do need that protection. My worry for the Brewers last season or what I noticed with the Atlanta Braves 
was the fact that the Braves had depth. The Braves were like, all right, we lose Ronald Acuna. We're basically going to have three really competent outfielders in Adam Duvall, in Jorge Soler, and Eddie Rosario. And those guys are going to kind of help guide us through. And we know we have a talent around that we just need to fill in the holes. The Brewers might need to fill in those holes. And if David Stearns doesn't, or Mark Ananasio decides to be cheap, then that's going to be a major stain. And that's definitely going to be a topping, talking point. But until then, we can look at injuries and definitely say, this team, we don't know the full, full view of this team. This team did not hit their potential because they were always hurt. And now, do you blame the players? Do you blame the you know staff that's you know working them out? I don't know, but I do know that I want to see what these Brewers look like all together, playing on the field at the same time. I realize I won't get it with Peralta. I realize maybe Woodruff it'll take some time, but this offense we could get back at full strength by Fourth of July, and it would be great to see them all together. And no one get hurt for, let's say, three or four weeks. But maybe, at this point, that's wishful thinking. On Thursday evening, Devontae Adams had some comments about the future of the Green Bay Packers and expressed some uncertainty where the Packers were going in the future. It felt like a little bit of a shot at Jordan Love. It felt like a little bit of a shot at Aaron Rodgers. And he opted for the stability of the Las Vegas Raiders with his buddy Derek Carr. Now, I've said it before that if it was the NBA, Derek Carr would be suspended for tampering because that is how bad the Raiders thing is. Like, I hope people understand, like, this is legitimate tampering. No one cares in the NFL. It's not a thing in the NFL. It's a thing in the NBA. No one cares how bad that was and how it's just an egregious thing that people let the Raiders get away. They let Devontae Adams and Derek Carr have that. Now you can be like, hey, Charlie, that's salty of you. No, not really. I'm not being salty. I don't, I really don't give a shit, right? I, I guess I feel okay the Packers didn't give $30 million to a receiver. That they they decided to basically give money to Jair Alexander, give money to Kenny Clark, and money was given elsewhere. I feel good about that, right? I feel good. Preston Smith got paid. I'm happy about that, all right? So I'm okay that Rasul Douglas also got paid. That A lot of those things would not have happened with the Devontae Adams contract. I hope that everyone understands that. I think the Kenny Clark thing happened before, but you can fact check me on that if you'd like. Regardless, the Green Bay Packers did well with the money that was saved from not signing Adams and from Adams telling the Packers that he did not want to be a Green Bay Packer, instead a Las Vegas Raider. And that also, he basically had family stuff. His wife, from what I know, his wife did not really like being in Green Bay. Also, his father has never been able to see him play. His father still lives out in California, and his father has a medical condition, I believe, and he does not really travel much, doesn't like to travel, and so he's never seen his son play. So this, to me, was a little bit deeper than just, hey, Devontae Adams was uncertain about the future. And then it was this whole hated Rodgers and Adams have friction and everything like that. And people made it a day-long story in the media because that's what we do in the middle of June on a Friday. We're fucking bored and we have to make something out of nothing. We have to grind the smallest nut into some sort of content 
because that's all we have. And we become so obsessed with finding different storylines that we need to just make sure the NFL stays on the brain 24-7, even though it is not necessarily an everyday content machine. I understand we think it is, but it's usually like ranking the top 10 this and the top five that, and you know that's all it is. It's all sort of things that will hook you in and we take the bait all the fucking time. And if there's any perceived drama, like it's a Bravo t- reality show or something, everybody leans hard in, especially if it's around guys like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. Like those guys bring the views, they bring the engagement. So of course, everybody freaked out about this. Everybody went crazy for no real reason at all. Devontae Adams wanted to be with the Raiders because of the things I mentioned to you and the fact that Derek Carr convinced him and sold him on the idea. So that is why Devontae Adams is here. I think Devontae Adams is going to learn that the grass is not always greener on the other side. My guy Murph in his draft manifesto had probably the best line about Devontae Adams, and I'll steal it multiple times this year and give him credit every time, but said, going back to Vegas with Derek Carr is like when you hang out with some of your select college friends for a weekend, you have a great time, you're like, why don't we do this every weekend? And then you realize that you kind of grow up. I'm paraphrasing for what Murph said, but it's the truth. I would love to go back to Eau Claire and rip it up with my guys. We would have so much fucking fun. You do not understand how much fun we would have. We did it a little bit after our guy Cappy's wedding. And we were having the time of our fucking lives. That said, if we did that every weekend, we would feel old. We would feel creepy. We'd feel scuzzy. Like, it wouldn't be the same. I'm not saying that Adams is going to feel creepy or scuzzy. But I am saying that Adams is going to realize, like, oh, yeah, that's right. I played with one of the best quarterbacks of all fucking time. And I'm not critical of Devontae. Devontae can do whatever he wants. He's a professional athlete. He told the Packers he wants to be a Raider. They made a deal happen. We got Quay Walker because of it. We got Christian Watson because of it. I think both of those guys will be great players. And if they win the Baggers a Super Bowl, we're not really going to remember. We'll remember Devontae Adams, but he will be the reason why Green Bay won a Super Bowl. As crazy as that sounds, right? I think that it's just one of those things where Adams should kind of be left alone at this point. I think we need to just respect what Adams did and sort of just make peace with it. It's over, right? You kind of have to come to grips. You have to come to grips with the idea that Devontae Adams didn't want to be here. That's okay. Some people just don't like it here. That's fine. All right? I love Wisconsin. I love Green Bay. I, I love, you know, Madison. I, whatever. I don't really love Madison. I'm not, I haven't been there enough, so I can't say that. But people do. People of all walks of life love those cities. But sometimes there are others that are like, fuck this place. And that's what Devontae Adams did. He's not a traitor. He's not this. He's not that. But he definitely made a choice, and I think it's the wrong one, but he's going to have to figure that out for himself. And I think that you're going to see the overpaying of receivers come back to bike teams more than overpaying for quarterbacks ever did. Because wide receivers, I don't think, are as valuable as quarterbacks. I realize that their weight is in gold right now. But I, I just do not see 
this overpaying of receivers continuing in the next four to five years. At some point, it will slow down because someone is going to get burned by it. I will guarantee you. I'm not even going to say, I bet you. I am going to guarantee you that either Tyree Kill or Devontae Adams absolutely flames out for their team. I don't know which one will, but I guarantee you one will be a really, really bad contract. And it's the same thing with running backs, right? Running backs can't get big contracts. Christian McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott have not lived up to their big contracts at all. Saquon Barkley is in the midst of maybe getting paid. I think it's the contract year this year. I would not give Saquon Barkley more than a three, a five-year, $75 million deal. No, nah, no, I want to do that. Fuck that. At five for 60, though, probably, if they're, and it was up front. And so you're basically not on the hook for two years. Yeah, I would do that. I would do a deal similar to what the Packers did for Aaron Jones. And I think the Packers really managed their running back contracts well. But back to Devontae Adams, I don't think that this is going to work out for everybody. That we can just keep paying people and they're going to keep producing. Devontae's on the wrong side of 30. Devontae's had some injury issues in the past. I'm I'm not trying to be a hater here. I'm just saying that I don't necessarily know if paying a receiver and paying a guy for a third contract is the right move. Remember, Green Bay is good at this. Green Bay knows when to get out. Now, granted, they were going to pay Adams, because, but I do think they were doing that to keep Aaron Rodgers happy. I think that there was an understanding with Rodgers, whether you believe it or not, that after they had already taken care of Aaron Rodgers, they would then look at Devontae Adams and say, all right, we're going to take care of you. We're going to make this happen. We'll get keep Rodgers' guy with him. And then they had to tell Rodgers he didn't want to be here. I wonder if that fuels Rodgers' fire. I think it does. I think he will use that as a little bit of a chip this season. But those guys went golfing together over the weekend. There's no dissension between those two. Aaron Rodgers didn't drive Devontae Adams out. Devontae Adams wanted stability, but that could cost him actually winning a Super Bowl. And just the stability could be being 8-8 eight and eight, eight or 9-8 and eight every year. And not necessarily winning championships and being part of the conversation every year. Moving on to the Bucks, not really. There's a little Bucks stuff. Like Charles Lee got promoted. Bucks have been working out some dudes, so that might give you hope that they're not going to trade the pick. Uh, so that that's all good and dandy. The only thing I wanted to kind of check in on the Bucks was after Game Four, Steph Curry tore up the Boston Celtics, and everybody in the media had an orgasm about it. I was texting a group chat of mine, and I was like, "Man, do they fillet Steph?" and the thing is, is like, he does do incredible stuff. I'm always impressed with Steph Curry. This is not another segment of me hating on somebody, because I promise you it isn't. I just think like we, the media holds Steph in this some deity regard. It's kind of like they do with Mahomes, where it's like they, they can't do anything wrong. And like you're, and then they act like it's wrong to criticize. And they act like they have a ton of haters. They don't have a ton of haters. There's a couple people who might talk a little bit negative about Steph Curry. But Brian Windhorst comes on and says, compares it to LeBron's 50 and 10, or 40 and 10, because he's the first guy to ever do that. Well, Windhorst forgets that Giannis did it three times in the NBA Finals, including a 50-piece to close out the Phoenix Suns in Game 6. 
an absolutely egregious error from Brian Windhorse. I don't care that he was taping it late. I assumed that he might have meant 40 and 10 and thought that Curry got 10 assists. But that was an absolutely horseshit move by Windhorse. But it shows you how obsessed that the media is with Steph Curry. And it shows you that Giannis has a long way to go to develop that obsession. Now, this isn't like a, hey, nobody gives us respect. This, that I do not want to get across. It's just more that Steph Curry is held in gold and that he cannot do no wrong. And that's, it's frustrating a little bit when you watch Giannis get critiqued and get, you know, picked on here and there. And there is some people who finally acknowledge and finally realize, you know, how great Giannis is. I felt like Bill Simmons, you know, saw the light after he played his team for seven games. And I think a lot of people do once you see Giannis up close in person in a playoff series. Anyone who watched 2021 realizes how great that stretch was for Antetokounmpo. And coming back from that injury, we'll never really know how hurt Giannis was. And I think this offseason is going to do him a ton of good. But in a weird way, it gets shoved under the rug. Because he's not a hot thing at this point. It'll be about Curry and his legacy. How he has six rings if he gets it done. Or if Boston comes back, it'll be the Celtics wore down another team. That this they were in the same situation with the Heat. They were in the same situation with the Bucks, And yet again, Boston prevails because their defense kept wearing guys down. Very real possibility for that. But Jason Tatum's been awful this series. Nothing about Jason Tatum's game has been good. I think the reason Boston has won their games has been Jalen Brown has been really, really good. They've also got some good contributing stuff, whether it was from Al Horford, whether you had moments from Rob Williams, who I thought really played a huge role in the Game 3 win. I just, I don't necessarily, Marcus Smart I thought was also very good in Game 3. Like, I don't, I haven't seen it with Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is not a top five player yet. I'm sorry. He will get anointed that, but he isn't. He just isn't. He's not that good. He's, he's a good, he had a really good game in game six. It was one of the better individual performances I've seen against my team in any sport. That said, like, I haven't seen that version of Tatum since that game. He was good in game seven too. I haven't seen that guy. That guy didn't show up in the Miami series. That guy hasn't shown up in the finals. He deserves a little bit of criticism. But again, he's kind of treated a little with kid gloves. And Curry is on the other end where it's like anything he does, it's like this immediate explosion of calm. And it's like, guys, just settle down. I don't know. Maybe it's just me being a little cranky the Bucks aren't there because I think the Bucks would have wiped the floor with the Warriors. I really do. I understand that plain stuff would be terrifying and drop defense and everything like that. But I, the size, the lack of size against the Warriors with Giannis would have been really hard for them to overcome. They probably couldn't have played a lot of Brooke Lopez, but it could have been a lot of Giannis and a lot of Bobby, and the Bucks would have figured it out. And they're, them not being there stings. It really does. And I get that you're always going to be in the conversation. I was talking to my cousin at the wedding because I was at a wedding for my cousin. It was his sister that uh, got married. And he was, we were talking about the Chiefs because he's a Chiefs fan. He's from Wichita and big Chiefs fan. And 
I was mentioning like, yeah, you know, if Mahomes doesn't win another one, he's going to get like that Rodgers treatment. And he's like, oh, it's already happening. People are like, I, he needs to win every year. And he's like, honestly, I just like to be in a conversation every year. And I thought about that. And while it's a lot of stuff I say, I, I like the way it's phrased. You just want to be in that conversation. And I tell you guys all the time, it's really fucking hard to win titles. I felt like this was an opportune one for the Bucks to get. I felt like this was a golden opportunity. And the Bucks let it slide by. And if the Bucks don't win a title next year because Philly gets better, uh, Boston continues to grow, Miami, you know, finds something else, who knows, right? Then, yeah, I'm going to look back at this and say it hurts even more. But we got a long way to go. And you can't just take everything in a bubble. So, yes, I'm annoyed at the Steph overreactions. I'm annoyed that Tatum's not getting more criticism. I, I think this series has been fun. I've enjoyed it. But I'm annoyed by it as a Bucks fan. Uh, I think in general is, is the best way to put it. But I look forward to Game 5 tonight. I think it should be a lot of fun. Uh, definitely going to be one to watch. Kind of feel like it's a camp mess, right? I feel like this one... While it's a non-Wisconsin sporting event, you don't have the Bucks on tonight. Like, or I'm sorry, the Brewers. Pardon me. You don't have the Brewers on tonight. Um, so you, this is definitely a night where you just sit down and you watch that game, and that's definitely one to watch. I think hockey then gets started a couple days later. Uh, so yeah, you it'll be we'll be rolling for a little bit here, uh, and then the finals basically stretching it out this entire week does think and having Game Seven on Father's Day. Just makes it tough on your boy. I'm not gonna lie. It's a seven o'clock game. You know, I'll I'll be eating with my pops. It would be nice though to go to roll in and go U.S. Open and into the NBA Finals. Would hate that, but at the same time, I also you know need to want to enjoy it at my own home and not have to be traveling and everything like that. So we'll see. I'm that's me being selfish at this point. All right, let's wrap up today's show with a Greenville review. So I was in Greenville, South Carolina uh, the last couple days. Uh, not a place I think a lot of people go, um, but I had a nice time there. Uh, I was there for my cousin's wedding. Shout out to Hannah and Cole. They probably don't listen to this, but congratulations on getting married. It was a nice wedding. Uh, it was Actually, the weather was great. Like Not really that humid like this week. It's going to be like 99 there. I did have a couple bouts of swass, but I, I, I made it a lot. If you don't know what SWAS is, I won't tell you until tomorrow's show. You wait to find out. If you know what it is, you can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram. I'm sure we've all dealt with the SWAS monster before. Uh, you just, you know, you gotta, you gotta fight through it. But it wasn't too bad. I had a red coat on that looked perfect for the South. It, it like just felt great. Like I felt like I was on a recruiting, the recruiting trail for the next top recruit out of South Carolina. But regardless, uh, it was, you know, it was a great time. I, I had a lot of fun. Uh, so a couple notes, a couple, couple thoughts on it. Number one, great airport, okay? It's a very small airport. You can fly into it from Chicago. It was easy as could be. Hour and 45-minute flight. The flight today felt a little longer home because I was hungover because I did some rail tequila shots at the wedding. That was my mistake. It happens. I, you know, when bars are giving out shots, it's always dangerous. Thought number two, uh, there's a lot of smoking there. Man, I didn't realize people still smoke heaters that much. Like, I don't know if that's a Southern thing. I don't know if that's a South Carolina thing. But man, were there a lot of people smoking cigarettes. Like, not vaping. Like, I feel like here you see vaping. 
But they were just dudes just having heaters all the time. It was crazy. Could not believe that. It was a little, little stunned by, by that and didn't necessarily see that. Number three, food was pretty solid. I had, we had barbecue twice. Uh, we had bar, I had barbecue twice in one day, uh, so don't hurt myself there on Friday. I had a great pulled pork, Texas pulled pork from a guy who's an aspiring pit master at a brewery called Fireforge, which is a great beer too. It's a really solid place all around. I uh, enjoyed that, would put that on the racks list. And then we got catered in for the rehearsal dinner. I don't know where it was from. I didn't ask, I should have asked, but it was really good. I mean, they and that was a rehearsal dinner of champions. All right, like here, here, was, here was the lineup we had. We had baked beans, we had collard greens, we had awesome mac and cheese. I had seconds of the mac and cheese. You had wings. You had pulled pork. You had brisket. Are, are you getting any better than that? I, I was in fucking heaven. And somehow I didn't even overeat. Which was like a upset upon upset that I didn't overeat. Like I, now that I think about it. I just thought about it right now. I was like I didn't feel like I was like ready to keel over and die. Which usually when those foods are involved. I definitely have those moments. Like an incredible lineup of food. Uh, so I, I think that's that to me seals it where I'm like, I think barbecue is the ideal, like you have friends over and that's what you, you bring catered. Like Italian's all right. Like you can do Gloriosos here locally if you're in Milwaukee. But I think barbecue at the end of the day just always plays, especially in the summer. If you want to elevate your experience beyond just burgers and hot dogs you want to go take it another level you go with barbecue and if it, it fucking plays everybody loves it i mean they i mean yeah the mac and cheese one pan got dusted the second pan was we was actually better weirdly enough and then yeah the pull i mean everything went was great um so yeah so i had fun uh there's not a ton to do there so if you were to do it you were to go down like i don't know let's say someone it Let's say you were going down there for like a sporting event or something like that. Yeah, you you only really need two day, two full days, and then you kind of get the idea of what Greenville is all about. Um, you could do a little bit more, maybe see a minor league baseball game. They have the Greenville Drive is there, who's the Boston Red Sox single A team. So maybe you do that and you add add that to your calendar. Um, Clemson's, I think, only 45 minutes away. Columbia, South Carolina, where the University of South Carolina is, is only an hour and 45 away. Furman uh, University is in uh, Greenville. So there are a lot of younger people. There are de There's definitely a youth group here. Like, that was also a little surprising, too. It's definitely a, kind of a pseudo-college town, or like I was telling my wife, like a town where you go after you get your first job. I think it's kind of similar to Milwaukee in that sense, right? Where you have the college kids, but you also have the kids who are in their first job from Madison or from River Falls or Green Bay or whatever it may be. But yeah, it was it was nice. And we uh, tore it up at a college bar after the wedding, which was a lot of fun. I probably could have stayed out a little while longer, not going to lie, but I'm glad we left when we did because I was, the boy was hungover this morning. Uh, I... I, I, my advice to you when you ever are hungover is just eat. Like, it doesn't have to be like something substantial, but just get something in your system so your stomach isn't just eating at your body. 
but I, I needed like two more hours of sleep. And I know at my old age, I have a lot of problems after I drink now because I'm old. But I do know if I get enough sleep, I usually can fight off most hangovers. And I took an awesome fucking nap after we got back from Chicago, picked up the pup and everything like that. And I was as good as gold the rest of the day. And that's why I'm here with you right now, taping the podcast on Sunday, Sunday afternoon. But it's been a few weeks of heavy drinking, man. I gotta, gotta settle it down. But I guess that's summer in Milwaukee, right? That's, that's just summer in general. So... We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll preview Brewer Mets. We'll see what else comes through the wire on the day. I'm sure we'll do a little bit of uh, Celtics Warriors at the end of the podcast. Let's have some fun there. But yeah, we'll uh, talk tomorrow and see you guys then. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye.